Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Today I want to continue our series, Kingdom Builders. God put this message, this wasn't going to be part of this series, but God dropped this message in my heart last week, earlier last week, and so I want to preach it this morning as it ties into building the kingdom, what God has called us to do. The title of the message this morning is Press, but Still Pursuing. Press, but Still Pursuing. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Today, I want us to look at a story. This is going to be a narrative message. That simply means I'm going through the story. A story in the Old Testament of Gideon and the Midianites. If you look back in the Bible, you'll find that the children of Israel, especially in the Old Testament, are always in the center of everything. And their life is a pattern. They go from serving God to backsliding, to repenting, to restoration. Then they serve God, and then they backslide, and then they repent. God restores them. Then they serve God for a little while. Then they backslide, and then they repent, and then God restores them, and then they serve God a little while. And then they, I was wanting y'all to say the next thing. Backslide. Okay. Repent, and then God restores them. Sounds like somebody you know. Sound like you? (laughs) This is the story of the children of Israel. And we find them right in the middle of serving a false god by the name of Baal. They have turned their back on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they're serving this so-called God by the name of Baal, this God, so-called God of weather. They're right in the middle of backsliding. We're going to pick up where they begin to cry out to not Baal, but to God. They're in a famine. They've lost everything. They don't have any land. And what they, they, the Bible said they would grow crops and the Midianites would come by once it was time to harvest and they would steal all their crops. These people were starving to death and they were uh, hiding in caves and holes, scared to death of the Midianites. I want us to pick up at verse 11. The Bible says the angel of the Lord came. Now this is a Christophany. That means this is Jesus Christ showing up in the Old Testament. Before he was ever a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, sometimes for certain matters, he would show up in, as an angel of the Lord. This is Christ. And he comes to Gideon. He sat under the oak which belonged to Joash. Gideon was there threshing wheat in the wine press in order to hide from the Midianites. 
The Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon, and said, The Lord is with you, you valiant warrior. Now hear me now. Listen to me. This Gideon doesn't look like a valiant warrior, does he? He's not fighting. It seems to be that he has given up. Instead of fighting, he's hiding. The Bible says he is, he is threshing wheat in a wine press. And you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You thresh wheat out in the open so the wind can blow. So it separates the chaff from the wheat. But he's hiding down in a wine press, threshing wheat so that the Midianites don't come by and steal this little bit of food. He's scared. He's in hiding. He's in isolation. He has secluded himself. And let me say this. When you seclude yourself and you're isolated, and you're isolated from the body of Christ, and you isolate yourself from God, you are easy pickings for the enemy. The Bible says he is looking for someone, someone he may devour. He's a roaring lion, the Bible says. Remember, I preached a message about a roaring lions and how they hunt, and they look for people who have broken away from, they look for animals that have broken away from the pack. Hear me. There's something dangerous about isolation, about seclusion. And I believe that's why God showed up. He showed up. Gideon hiding. And he calls him something strange. Calls him something contrary to what he's doing. Here, Gideon is hiding. And he says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. You valiant warrior. Gideon's thinking, who? Who are you talking about? He looks behind him. You're talking to me? You, you must have it mistaken. You must be confused. My name is Gideon. Lord knew who he was. The Lord could see something in Gideon that Gideon could not see in himself. Aren't you so glad? I am glad. Let me just say, I am glad that God seen something in me that I didn't see in myself. Ah, uh, let me say, I'm glad that God seen something in me beside my sin, beside my failure, beside my evilness, beside my wickedness, beside my lost condition. I'm glad that God seen me not standing right where I was at the time he saved my soul. Can I get a witness in this house this morning? I'm glad God seen something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he said, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Stop. Maybe you've been asking that question. If the Lord's with us, why is all this going on? Am I, am I talking to anybody? God, if you're with us, why are you allowing this or that? If you're with us, you know, I ask a lot of questions to God that I used to not ask. 
Some would say that's lack of faith. I think it's a lack. I think it's intimacy. There's certain things that I can ask my wife now that I couldn't ask her when we were dating. Help me, somebody. So I ask God questions that maybe 10 years ago I wouldn't have asked him. I ask him questions like, God, I prayed for this person to be healed and they died. What's up? I plead the blood over my family every day, multiple times during the day. And over this church, and a hundred something people got COVID all at one time. Lord, what's up? Let's be real now. And the more I ask him questions, the more I understand he doesn't have to give me any answers. Hear me, Pentecostal people. We forgot that God is sovereign and you cannot make him do anything. I don't care what any pathetic Pentecostal preacher on television has told you, you cannot make God do anything. He owes no man nothing. You can't twist his arm. There is not a prayer that you can pray that makes God have to do anything for you. He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And you know what he called us to do? Not to understand him, but to simply trust him. What takes more faith? For you to treat God like a genie? Get him to do what you want? Or say, God, it ain't about my wishes. It's about your will. And I want your... Y'all don't. Y'all ain't hearing me this morning, y'all. I know you because you've been so indoctrinated to believe that God will do whatever you ask him to do. When Jesus himself said... No, when you pray, pray like this. Not your will, but my will be done. And you know what? Sometimes there's a problem between my will and his will. And the problem's not him, the problem is me. You hear what I'm saying this morning? I have talked to more people who have been distraught over different things in the last three months. I prayed, Pastor, and, and, and it didn't happen. I was praying for their healing, and it, it didn't happen. It didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen. But this is what I've learned about God. If I'm boring you, I'm sorry. I'm not loud enough or preaching shouty enough or any of that. I apologize. Maybe I'll do better next week, you see. But I've learned this about God, that I live moment to moment, day by day. And that's what he told me to do. See, we're so focused. Did I say this last week? We're so focused on next month and next year that we can't see what God's doing 
right now. Hear me, hear me, listen. What God's doing today, what God's doing in this moment. And here's the thing about God. God doesn't live moment to moment. God doesn't live day to day. God isn't restricted by time. He's not living in a timeline. God sees everything. He sees the beginning from the end. And I've looked back on some no's and some unanswered prayers in my past. And now I can see the hand of God. Now I can see and begin to understand the all-knowing sovereignty of God. I think God is trying to show us something through COVID and show us something through all the questions of life. He's trying to get us to simply trust Him. So what does He do? He snatches convenience away. It says, trust me. The person that you want to be elected doesn't get elected. And you know what he says? Trust me. Huh? Because that is what gets the attention of God. That's what brings the blessing of God. Faith, trusting him. Then God turned to him in verse 14. Gideon. He's called him valiant warrior. Now he tells him, go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. This brings me to point number one. The angel of the Lord, Jesus, comes to Gideon. He calls him a valiant warrior. Then he says, you're going to deliver my children from the hands of the Midianites. You see, God will call you something you don't think you are. And he'll call you to a place you don't think you can go. Are you really just listening really good? Okay. He'll call you a name you don't recognize. See, you know what you do at night. And nobody's watching. Oh, boy. I didn't say this in the first service. He knows what you do when there ain't nobody looking. Yet, he knows your failures. Come on, somebody. He knows the mistakes, your weaknesses, but he doesn't call you by your weakness. Maybe that makes more sense. He doesn't call you by your failure. He doesn't call you by your struggle, but he calls you child, son, daughter. And he did not allow where Gideon was at and what Gideon was doing to change his mind about who he knew Gideon was. He knew Gideon was a valiant warrior despite him hiding out in a wine press, hiding from the enemy. And then he said, I don't care where you're at and what you're doing. I know who you are, and I know what I have called you to do. Set my people free. God will oftentimes call you something that you don't think you are, and he'll call you out. 
to a place you don't think you can go. He'll call you to something you don't think you can do. And I'm telling you this, if you are doing something, if God, if you think God has called you to do something and you don't think you need God and you can do it yourself, God didn't call you to do it. God will always call you to something bigger than you are, greater than you are. You won't have enough talent. You won't have enough ability. You won't be smart enough. That's why you need God. How can I live in a sin-sick world as a child of God, Pastor, and toe the line and believe Him and trust Him? How can I do it when everything around me says give up and quit? You cannot do it on your own. But you're not on your own. You are not by yourself. You are never alone. Jesus is with you. And that's what it says. It goes on in, in, in verse 15. Gideon said, listen, I think you've made a mistake. Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the youngest in my father's house. Verse 16, and the Lord responds, but I am with you. Get it, church. God is with you. No matter what you face, no matter what you're going through, I find great comfort in knowing this, that sometimes God doesn't always deliver me, but if he's not going to deliver me, he's developing me because I'm never alone. I'm always with a teacher. I'm always in class because God is with me. He said, my family's the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the youngest in my father's house. God responded with saying, but I'm going to be with you. Listen, God doesn't always choose the greatest. In fact, in the Bible, I see a pattern of God choosing people that no one else would choose. Weak people. He, he, he would choose people to build the church that prior to their conversion was destroying the church. See, it's not about wisdom. It's not about charisma. It's not about knowledge. It's not about talent or ability. Point number two, God didn't choose you because, listen, you're great. In fact, he can't use people who think they're great. Let me say that again. God cannot use you. He cannot fill you if you're full of yourself. Say it over here. God cannot use you if you're full of it. Full of yourself. You have no room to be used by God. God didn't choose me or you or remnant church because you're great. He chose you because he knows he can be great through you. Paul would say, it's in my weakness that his strength is made perfect. I don't care what you have failed at in the past. I don't care what calling you might have laid down If you'll humble yourselves before an almighty God and say, I am nothing and keep that attitude. I am weak. If left to myself, I'll be, fall victim to my own devices. I am not strong enough to fight against the enemy. 
on my own. I cannot live in this world on my own if it's just about me and my willpower. I am going to fail miserably, but this ain't about me and this ain't about my willpower and this ain't about what I can do, but it's about what Jesus Christ has already done over 2,000 years ago when he was suspended between heaven and earth. God didn't choose you because you're great. He chose you knowing everything about you. Knowing that he could be great through you. And that's why I chose Gideon. Gideon would go on to say in verse 17, if, okay, I hear what you're saying, Lord, but if I found favor with you, you got to give me a sign. If it's who you, if, if you are who I think you are and you're telling me what I think you're telling me, I need a sign. You ever been there? You ever not got a sign? Most of the time, I, I get no sign. Reminding me that this is a thing of faith. But sometimes, not many, could count them on this hand, minus about two fingers, that God has gave me a sign. One of the greatest, most in-your-face signs that I ever experienced is when I came to pastor this church. Well, two years before I came to pastor, actually. I was sitting in my office on staff as a music pastor. God was blessing. It was the ministry was the best it had ever been. Seeing more results than I'd ever seen. Yet I felt this spiritual frustration inside of me where I knew I wasn't doing what I was called to do. And I prayed to the Lord and I sought the face of God and God spoke to me that day, that morning in my office and he said, I've called you to pastor. And I said, oh, no. And I jumped up out from my office and I ran down, not ran, not literally, but went fast, walking. <laughs> and I went to the altar of the church and I, I don't know why I moved locations. I thought maybe different location, different answer. And I laid over on the altar and I cried out to God and said, God, I think I heard you. But I need a sign. You know what? You, somebody go down to those children. You tell them to jump over there. Okay? Who's going to go? Very soon we ain't going to have that problem. But it's a good problem to have. Now I'm backing up. But it's a very stupid design. But anyway, uh, I said, God, I think I heard you. I need a sign. And you know what? The Lord didn't have to give me no sign. But this time he did. And he spoke to my spirit. And I wish he spoke to me like this all the time. But he doesn't. 
He doesn't. 99% of the times, he doesn't. Let me be clear. The Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to go to this church. It was out on the Valdosta Highway. I'd never been to the church, but I knew where the church was. He said, they're having revival. I knew they were having revival. It wasn't a, like a new thing that I'd heard. I knew it because I scrolled on Facebook and seen it. I never thought about going. It wasn't ever thought in my mind. I'd just seen it, but God brought that to my memory. He said, there's a revival. I want you to go to it. So I called my wife. I said, I'm going to this church tonight after I get off the office. Out of the office, I went by and put me on an old sweater and an old pair of jeans because I didn't want to look like a preacher. And I said, I'm not going to get there early. I'm not even going to get there on time. I got there 15 minutes late, 7.15. I walked in. It was one of those churches with a shotgun aisle, and you had a pew on, pews on this side and pews on that side. When you walked in the church, you was in church. You know what I mean? Like you walked in the front door, and there was the preacher. You know, it was a very small foyer. And I walked in, and they were already started. I didn't know who the evangelist was. I knew who the pastor was, but I didn't know who the evangelist was. And I seen the metal chair. When I got in there, it was slam-packed. I, I, I walked in, and I looked to the, it would have been on my right, left. It would have been on my left. There was a metal chair. I sat there. And they were having church, and they were worshiping the Lord. And this lady, it was a family. And this lady, I didn't know, this lady came down. And she was praying for somebody. And after she got through praying for me, I don't even know her name. After she got through praying for me, she snatched her head that way. And made eye contact with me. And I made eye contact with her. And I kind of done like that. And she took her cordless mic and she walked all the way down to the back of the sanctuary. And she said, the Lord said you came for confirmation today she got my attention and this is all she said she said I have no idea what it's about she said but you'll know and she said this is your confirmation now God don't work like that all the time did I tell you I wish he did but not always but see, God knew that I knew that I wasn't going to do something unless I knew it was God, especially try to pastor people because I'd seen the hurt and the pain that pastors have to go through. And what the sacrifice that's made for families because I lived in it at one time and I seen discouragement take over. So God knew I was serious about needing to know and Gideon was in that place because he wasn't a fighter. He wasn't a warrior. And God's calling him to do something that he knows he cannot do, talking about defeating an army that has 135,000 men. And he thought, how am I going to do that? He said, if you're who I think you are and you're telling me what I think you're telling me to do, you're going to have to give me a sign. He said, I want to bring you a gift. He said, well, you stay here until I return. And the Lord said, I'll stay here. I'll wait on you. Gideon comes back and he brings him a gift. It's a sacrifice. And the Lord says, I want you to take this sacrifice and lay it on the altar. Gideon came not only with a sacrifice, but he came with a pot of broth. He said, I want you to take that sacrifice, lay it on the rock, 
and then pour the broth out on the rock. Then the angel of the Lord took his staff and he touched the sacrifice with his staff. When he did, the Bible says that fire came out of the rock and consumed the sacrifice. What kind of sign would this be? Because Gideon said, give me a sign. Here I believe we see the old covenant and the new covenant colliding. The Bible says present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Who do we present our bodies to? The rock, Christ Jesus. He said, I want you to take the sacrifice and put it on the rock. Pour it out. Take the broth. Pour it out upon the rock. What is he trying to say? He's saying, Gideon, I know I've called you to do a big thing, but you got to understand it's upon this rock that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. When doubt comes, stay on the rock. When fear comes, stay on the rock. When people leave, you stay on the rock. Hallelujah. That's a word for me. That's a word. Thank you, Lord. I'll stay on the rock. I'll stay on the, come hell or high water, I'm staying on the rock. Then he takes the staff, touches the sacrifice. This wooden staff represents what I believe would be coming down the road. Jesus prophesying about himself cross. I'll make all this possible. I'll touch you because the nails touch me first. I'll be able to touch you because my back touched the cross that belonged to you. Are you listening? Are you are you listening to what I'm saying? And when he touched the sacrifice, the Bible said, out of the rock, ooh, hallelujah, came a fire. This was the same fire that fell on Mount Carmel. This was the same fire which vo the voice spoke out of to Moses and said, I am that I am. This is the same fire that fell in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 when they were waiting to be endued with power from on high. The same power. Gideon's question was, how am I going to do it? And Jesus was telling him, you're going to do it because I'm with you, because you're going to stay on the rock, and because I'm going to touch you with the cross, and then I'm going to fill you with power from on high. Zechariah would tell us it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Is anybody listening to me? And the Bible says that the fire consumed the sacrifice. Point number three. 
What if we were so consumed by the Spirit that we didn't have room for anything else? See, lukewarm Christians won't make it. Cultural Christians won't make it. Christians who just check the box because you ain't a Muslim and you're not a Hindu and your mom and daddy took you to church so that means you're a Christian, it won't cut it. You hear me? I know what's about to happen to her. Been there before. My backside started stinging. <laughs> See, those they won't cut it. Lukewarm Christians. This is going to separate. What you see going on today? We call it persecution. This is not persecution. You haven't even seen persecution. You haven't even seen. Oh, friend, if you are so bewildered and befuddled now, you better stay after church and let's talk about this thing because this isn't it. God is looking for people who will stay on the rock. And I'll admit, during this time, it has been difficult. Why? Because I have seen things that has challenged my faith. Now I want to be real with you. I was real when I came to this church, and I want to be real with you right now. I have prayed prayers for healing, for people to be healed, and they died. I prayed for things to turn out certain ways and they haven't. I have bound and rebuked COVID until I have no spit left in my mouth. And you know what? It's still here. Now we can negate that and we can, we can put some roses on it but I'm telling you, there's people in the church that want to know what's going on. And you ain't the pastor, so you can't tell them. Not right now. I'm going to tell them. You can tell them after I tell them, but I'm going to tell them. Sometimes God doesn't do it like you want him to do it. And you have been taught that God will do what you want him to do if you pray like he, you're supposed to pray. If you have enough faith. And you know what? I hear people, and I know what you're talking about, but you put so much emphasis on you, I, and make it all about you. If you fast and you pray and then God has, I've heard people say God has to. No, God doesn't have to. 
I don't care who taught you that. It's not biblical. If so, COVID would be gone. And it's not. Because some things God has to develop you with. We make it all about us if we believe right, if we think right. When God, and you talk about your faith and your faith. And I'm telling you something. People that always talk about their faith and how strong they are, and they ain't never been through nothing. Because people who have been through something don't talk about their faith. They talk about the faithfulness of God. They talk about God's faithfulness. That even when I doubted, God was still good. You prayed, did you not? You prayed for Terry. God would deliver him. And he did. But he didn't do it like you wanted it. I'm standing here and telling you, God doesn't have to do it like you want him to do it. And he told you. What did he tell us? He said, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. And if I could think like God and act like God and understand everything about God, then God would not be God. But the fact is, he is God. And it takes more. What about what Jesus said? When he said, this is how you pray. Do we just throw that away? Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Not your will. My will. Be done. What do we do with that? See, it takes more faith to trust him while you're going through hell. To trust him when you're sick. To trust him when your children aren't living right. You don't understand it. You trust me. Jessica's mom just passed away. Where's she at today? She's serving. She's serving. Her mom passed away two weeks ago. 56 years old. And loved God. And loved the church. Had a conversation with her right down at this altar about how much she loved the church and loved God, and it was evident in her life. She may have not had much, she may have, but she loved God, and she died. We believe God for healing. Well, who was it? Did, she, did Donna not have enough faith? Was it me? Did I not have enough faith? Or was that God's will? See, you're going to have to rational, you're going to have to come to a conclusion because people are going to ask you, well, then if you were believing God, why'd you get sick? If God does everything you ask him to do, then why did you get sick? Why did they die? What's your answer going to be? 
Well, I don't understand the ways of God. But I know his ways are greater than mine. And did you know the Bible says once appointed man to die? Everybody doesn't get healed on earth. Everybody doesn't have a wonderful, perfect life. And if you'd be honest with you, your life ain't so wonderful and perfect all the time either. And you know, this is what's going on in the church because we don't have the answers. And I know the climate of the church, and this is the climate of the church. Point number four. Put it up on the screen. We're exhausted. But God has called us to keep pursuing. Judges chapter 8. Let me tell you about Gideon. So what happened to Gideon? Gideon, Gideon said, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to fight. He had 32,000 men. You know what God done? God said, that's too many men. He was fighting 130,000. And God said, that's too many men. Would you understand that? Cut it in half. He, he said, he said, ask them if they're scared. If they say they're scared, tell them, hit the road. He said, are you scared? I'd have been the first one to say, yeah, I'm scared. Yeah, you're talking about us fighting this army of 130? I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared to death. I don't even know I'm here. I'm scared. I came because he came. Go home. I'd have went home. Right on home. That's what 10,000 left. Now, don't you know Gideon was full of power and faith? Whoa, I can do anything. I got favor with God. God just came to me. He showed me some things. He gave me a sign. I know this is what God wants me to do. And now he's thinking, what in the world? And then God says, you still got too many. He said, the, the ones that are drinking water down like a dog, Lapping it up. He said, send them home. The ones that bring water up to their mouth, they're going to fight with you. He wound up with 300 men. 300 men against 135,000 Midianites. Would you be shouting? No, you wouldn't. You'd be scared to death. You'd think, God has done, he's not for me. He's not for me anymore. He's changed his mind. He's against me. You say, why would you say, well, Pastor, why do you think you say, because you've already said, you've said that about your life. God must give up on me. Oh, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it. God, oh, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it this time. Right? Have you not said that? goes on and he fights and God gives him victory. But still things don't go like he thought they would. He thought people would be proud and happy and excited and very own Israelites when he was hungry wouldn't give him nothing to eat. And then in verse 8, verse 4, chapter 8, 
Bible says after Midian was fighting, still in the middle of a fight, and that's what we're doing. We're fighting and we're still in the middle of a fight. The fight is not over. And I need to remind you also that the fight is fixed. That you're going to win. That it may not look like victory right now, but you are going to win. The church is going to come out on top. After they had crossed the Jordan, come through on the other side. The Bible says they were exhausted, but still pursuing. And if I was to take a poll right now, I would ask you spiritually, is there anybody spiritually exhausted in here this morning? Stand with me all across the building. Musicians, singers, come. Is there anybody in here this morning that would say, I'm trusting God, but I'm tired? Anybody? Can I be honest with you? I'm trusting God, but I'm tired. I'm fighting on my knees, but I'm tired. Don't mean I'm not saved. It doesn't mean I'm not a man of faith. I'm tired. Doesn't mean I'm going to give up because I'm not. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to throw in the towel, but I am tired. Spiritually exhausted. There's something down deep inside of me that says I got to keep pursuing. That's what I'm, that's the message and that's the word for y'all, for us, for you. You may be tired be pressed but you got to keep pursuing for your family for your children you know what I've learned in the Old Testament is that you know why they would go from serving God to backsliding to repenting I found out that that was generational Listen to me. I found out that the that that time was from generation to generation. Because see, the next generation was never taught that God that delivered Gideon, the children of Israel, out of the hand of the Midianites. So Chris, 40 years later, you know what they went to do? They went back to serving false gods. The reason I'm telling you and stressing to you that even though you're exhausted, you got to keep pushing is because your children need to know the God that you serve. 
children need to know the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You may be a stranger, an alien in a foreign world with people serving foreign gods, and but they need to know that you serve Jesus Christ. They need to know that you serve a God that still heals and still does miracles and still saves. Because if you give out an exhaustion and you quit, they won't know. And what they don't know will kill them. So if you're tired, did I tell you I'm tired? Did I tell you pastors are tired? I speak for all pastors and I can tell you right now, I'll go ahead and speak for all of them. They're tired. Staff is tired. Leaders are tired. I'm in a place that I've never been in in ministry. You're in a place probably in your spiritual walk that you've never been. You're, you're probably in a place that you don't, you've never been before. Things around us as a country, we've really never seen before. And they're looking for us to have the answers. Church. Not the news not social media but they're going to look to the church that's why we can't quit that's why we got to keep on building the kingdom that's like Nehemiah the story of Nehemiah he told him he said I want you to put they had to build the walls rebuild the walls of Israel he said put a trial in one hand and get a sword in the other we got to build each other up we got to lift each other up, but we need the sword to fight the enemy, to fight doubt, to fight depression, to fight anxiety. You see, the publican mess is going to die. Democratic ideas are going to die. It's all going to die. There'll be no senators in heaven. There'll be no congressmen. I'm not saying they won't go to I'm saying there'll be no government as such you see in heaven all these ways of the world they'll fade away pass away the only thing that's going to last is a grandmama you wouldn't pick her to be on your team you wouldn't pick her to be in your army some of the most powerful people planet are people you don't know the names of. It's grannies who are praying for their grandchildren. Mamas who are on their knees praying for their children. Do you hear what I'm saying? No name preachers that you don't know nothing about that spent time on their knees praying for your soul. I'm concerned 
I'm concerned about souls. I'm concerned about spiritual condition. I am not convinced and never will be that church attendance is not important. I believe we've swallowed a, a bill of lies. It is important. You know why? You know why? Because when I'm exhausted, yet still pursuing, that means sometimes I can't run. Sometimes I can't even walk. I'm still moving forward, but sometimes I'm crawling. And like Moses, I need an errand and a her, someone to lift up my arms. You need someone to come along beside you, pick you up, and say, I've been there. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have to crawl, but I'm going to help you because I've been there. And you gather them up, and you grab their arms, and you look at each other and say, we may be tired, but we're still pursuing there's a race still to be run. There's a work still to be done. There's lives that still need to be changed by the power of God. But what I'm saying is you may be tired today. You may be exhausted. But like Gideon, you got to keep pursuing. you to lift up both of your hands and I just want you to receive refreshing just tell him Lord I just need your refreshing it's okay tell him what you need it's okay to tell him what you need God I need your refreshing I'm in this dry and barren world and I'm not of this world but my closest friend that I have is you God and I need you to refresh me refill me with your spirit you're my best friend, God. You're my closest friend. You're the lover of my soul, God. I'm tired 
and I need your touch. Come on, cry out to him. Oh, God, I need your touch. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I know this isn't the last mile. I need your touch, God. I know there's there's greater things to be done, and I, I need your touch, Lord. I want to be the husband that you've called me to be. I want to be the father that you've called me to be, God. I want to be the man of faith that you've called me to be, Lord. I want us to be the church that you've called us to be. Oh, receive it. Lord, I receive your touch now. I receive your strength now. I receive it, oh God. I receive it, oh Lord. I receive it, oh God. I receive it, oh Lord. Oh, We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.